Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Don't you know we're gonna have a Take it away, Sluggo. <clears throat> hey, everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Washington back with you. <clears throat> Here at the beach for the uh, 111th, count of 111, um, uh, Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Zoom call. We have, as always, a tremendously full agenda today. Our first hour, and we're going to be doing this more or less regularly now, our first hour is going to deal with election protection issues. Uh, and, and in the second, we're going to talk about environmental, primarily energy issues. <clears throat> I am wearing the my, my godfather, grandfather t-shirt today in honor of uh, the Jewish New Year. Uh, <clears throat> for those of you who are of the Hebrew persuasion, that was Shana Tova Tika Sevo. Happy, happy New Year. Um, and um, this is the, you have 10 days to get rid of all your sins. Uh, if we had it nationwide, we could get rid of all our <laughs> sinful uh, anti-democracy forces. Uh, we're joined by truly great people as always. Um, um, we're going to start uh, today with Judith Whitmer, the chair of the Democratic Party of Nevada. We are hoping to be joined by David Pepper, the former chair of the Ohio Democratic Party. We also have Wendy Lederman in Florida, who's going to fill us in on the insanity there with, uh, with the redistricting and the gerrymandering, which is absolutely completely out of control. Wendy is also going to talk, and I actually, Wendy... Maybe we could start with this to make sure we get it. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit about the list that you're developing. Maybe you can have Steve put it up on the uh, on the uh, screen uh, of the grassroots organizations around the country. The second hour, <clears throat> and we will break the recording after the first hour. The second hour, we're going to deal with nuclear power and uh, renewable energy, the incredible head-to-head uh, -head going on in California now. Uh, between the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant and uh, rooftop solar. And uh, as we have learned, there is more energy, more electricity is produced and consumed in California coming from rooftop solar panels than there is coming from Diablo Canyon, the, the, the two remaining nuclear reactors in California. That is a big deal. And uh, we got Ron Leonard, we got Robert Freeling, uh, Kevin Camps is going to come on and talk about nukes in Michigan and uh, Tim Judson in New York, where we've had a, a actually a much bigger bailout of the nuclear industry uh, in New York than in California. We also have, by the way, Greg Kilridge with us. Greg uh, is in the Cleveland area, and we'll be talking after yeah. Judith, uh, uh, David, and uh, Wendy about uh, uh, money and politics, which continues to be the the scourge of our of our uh, you know. Uh, if there's any one thing that's killing democracy in America. It is the ability of corporations to buy our elections. And Greg has been working on this uh, since the beginning of time. I wanna uh, welcome Teresa Bonpain. Hi, Teresa. We were together yesterday at a gathering with the great, um, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> her name escapes me now, sorry. Uh, in the, in the um, <laughs> how, could I, how can I forget her name? Um, Teresa is one of the truly great activists of our time. Teresa, it's great to have you on with us. You're right next to Tatanka Bricker there, um, uh, also one of the great activists of our time. Marianne Williamson, how can I blank out on Marianne? She's, she's such a blinding force uh, that it, it knocked her out of my mind for the moment. We had a wonderful event in Los Angeles with, with Marianne Williamson yesterday. It was truly um, a spectacular thing, and Teresa was there. Teresa has been one of our great activists for many, many years. Um, and uh, it's just an honor to have you on with us, Teresa. We have John Steiner in, Cal in Colorado. Great to see you, John. We have the great Dennis Bernstein, host of uh, uh, Flashpoints, the nationally syndicated radio show out of KPFA uh, in Berkeley. <clears throat> Ron Leonard, our great solar expert, Joan Seaman in Colorado. Uh, Anna Georgie, a truly great activist in Western Mass. Uh, Milo Reason has joined us, um, and, and Nancy Naparco is with us. The great, great crew, thank you so much for joining us. Ruth Strauss as well, out there in California, and Justin LeBlanc. So um, um, it, we're gonna 
get back to the main order of business here. We're going to start <clears throat> with Judith Whitmer uh, and uh, and the, the situation in Nevada. We're going to talk about gerrymandering with him, her and with uh, David Pepper from Ohio, Wendy from uh, Florida, and then we'll go to uh, Greg Cole to talk about money and politics. So, and we also, I want to welcome all my listeners, uh, our, our listeners at the Progressive Radio Network. Uh, th this will be uh, broadcast at 5 p.m. on Thursday. And um, as always, it's, I've, I've had actually over 500 shows on PRN and this will be uh, up there. And so as Mike mentioned, uh, uh, we have to avoid the, uh, the seven uh, uh, four letter words. Uh, but if you, if you got some fakakta things you wanna say in Yiddish, uh, uh, go right ahead. Okay, Judith Whitmer, you are the chair of the Democratic Party of the state of Nevada, uh, much to the chagrin of many of the Democrats in the state of Nevada. And we are looking at serious, serious issues here. We are nonpartisan. So we've called you on, please, and you've been on with us before, to talk about the election protection issues that are rampant in so many states around the country. But Nevada is certainly, as a swing state, is certainly one of the major uh, of focal points of, of shenanigans that are going on with our elections. So can you can you fill us in on what's being done to protect the, what's left of, of democracy in Nevada? Well, I mean, Nevada is not exempt from all those issues that are going on in red states around the country. And, and Nevada is still a battleground state. So we, we have our share of extremist agendas here, but we've done a pretty good job as far as voting rights go. Our state legislature has made it really easy for people to vote in Nevada. So we have extended early voting. We have universal mail. Uh, we have automatic voter registration, same day voter registration. Uh, so most of our efforts are put towards making sure that, that our rights are not suppressed. Um, we you know, face voter suppression tactics. Um, especially in our rural areas, rural communities in Northern Nevada. Um, there's been a call for uh, poll workers supporting the Republican party, poll watchers, observers, whatever the coded language is of the day. But um, we're prepared for that. I think we're in pretty good shape heading into the polls in Nevada. Okay, so tell us, um, and this is critical, and we're seeing a lot of this now finally come out. Steve Bannon, and this, and you, you can also talk to us, by the way, about your 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 challenges within the Democratic Party, uh, because uh, you know, being nonpartisan, we are highly critical of both parties, and you've had your struggles. But the fear is, and, and as the chair of a state uh, political party, you you need to tell us if these fears are unfounded. The fear is that Steve Bannon is going to fill. Um, election boards around the country with partisans who will challenge and make it difficult for people that they don't want to vote, uh, to, they don't want to let vote to, to vote. Is that, is that an unfounded fear? Uh, is it hype or is it very real? Oh, I think it's very real. I don't think that's unfounded at all. I mean, they have already tried that in some of our northern counties. There was a big effort to change um, the election laws in Washoe County recently, but we had a huge outcry of people there at that county commission meeting to make sure that didn't happen. But what the effort is now is they're trying tactics like moving to paper ballots, uh, moving to hand manual hand counts, things like that in some of our in some of our rural counties. Um, they were successful in Pahrump, which is um, my county, Nevada, in going to paper ballots. So as you can imagine that's going to be a huge mess. Thankfully, Nye County is in as large population center as some of our other counties, but it's still going to make make things slow. Um, it's still going to make things wieldy for voters. Um, so those kind of tactics are ongoing here in Nevada, um, as they are elsewhere too. Well, let's discuss that for a minute because paper ballots, in other instances, are something that we've been supporting. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, and also uh, the, the, uh, we don't have John Brakey on the call, but the technology of scanning paper ballots. So this is so what kind of voting system do you have in Nevada that you uh, are supporting? 
Well, we, ha- we already have voting machines, but we have the paper backup. So every, every vote has a paper backup, but what Nye County is going to do is require each person to vote by paper, go in with the paper ballot, mark each vote, um, which is very time consuming. Um, it's time consuming to count those votes as well. Um, our research has showed that, that the machines actually do a better job as far as the, the margin of error goes than counting by hand. And if we were to count all of our votes by hand across the state, that would take a really long time, as I'm sure it would in other states as well. So that's not a big thing that we're actually that concerned about here in this state. It might be something that you're concerned about in other states. Um, but like I said, we've done a lot to protect our voting rights here, <clears throat> here in Nevada, excuse me. Most of, my, most of my time has been taken up as far as um, fighting back against dark money coming into primary elections. So most of the work that I've been doing is, has been involved in that effort rather than um, fighting over ballots or paper ballots or manual ballots. Because like I said, we feel like in Nevada, we've done a really good job of protecting voting rights. Well, okay. So in, um, in uh, just one small question, in Nye County, <clears throat> which I believe is uh, geographically the biggest county in the country, Nye County, I think, is bigger than Connecticut, as I recall. Uh, but well, at Nye, any- Nye County is Pahrump. It's it's um, it's one of the closest county, adjacent county to Clark County. But oh, yeah, it, would be, it, it would be geographic, not not in population. What is the yellow county above you? It looks just like New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it up there. It says Lander County. Oh, that's Lander County. Okay, so and I'm just have a quick question: the the ball, the paper ballots in Nye County, are they being scanned? Do you have a scanning uh, backup device on the on the uh, uh, the the hand marked paper ballots in Nye County? Not to my knowledge, uh, we haven't seen actually everything that they're going to do in Nye County as far as the county election board goes. We haven't. We don't have the those instructions yet. We don't have that information yet. As soon as we have it, I can send it to you. But um, you know, each county has some determination in, in their voting methods, their election methods. Well, okay, let me make a suggestion. Have you been in contact with John Brakey at all? No, I have not. <clears throat> okay, so John's not on the call today, but John is the master of uh, um, you know fair voting systems. Uh, John and and uh, Ray Lutz that he works with, and so I would like uh, if you can put your contacts in the chat we will get you in touch with john Brakey because you should share his knowledge he's in tucson and um he has done a tremendous amount of really important work on protecting <clears throat> the ballot and in particular if you have paper ballots in uh, nye county they should be scanned and, and uh, that's s-c-a-n as in nancy not Emma's and mother. Okay, they should be should be scanned <laughs> right. and be, as a backup, and right. that that can really uh, uh, speed up your counting time. If you ha- yes, uh, Mike. Yeah. Um, before we get to a question from Ruth Strauss, um, I'd like to hear uh, a report from Judith on her efforts to get. Um, dark or dirty money out of primaries. That's really why we brought her in, not this voting machine stuff, which is very important, but we have- Yeah, okay. For, and, yeah. and we will have Greg Coleridge. I don't see David Pepper on with us. And also, Judith, we want to talk about the gerrymandering issue um, and as it may or may not pertain uh, to the situation in Nevada. But go ahead. Let's talk about the dark money, please. But I will put you, just to wrap, I will put you in touch with, with John Brakeham, please do discuss the voting machine technology with him. He's he's the man. Okay, so go ahead, Judith, please. Dark money in, in primaries. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I, I've long been an advocate of inside-outside strategies as far as changing the dynamics of the Democratic Party and the political party system. Um, so we've been working on the inside. And as a state party chair, I am also on the DNC. So as a DNC member, you know, I have the right to bring um, bylaws amendments or submit resolutions to the DNC for consideration. 
and to lobby for support and try to get those passed, um, which is a very, very difficult proposition because the system is set up, you know, of course, not to necessarily be democratic, but to maintain control um, by leadership over how the Democratic Party chooses its candidates, particularly in presidential elections, um, which, you know, some people may argue that that's okay as long as we continue to, to beat Republicans. Um, but the danger here is, is if we don't do something about the dark money and primaries, voters will lose their right to choose their own candidates. We're going to see our candidates selected by corporations and special interests and by the consulting class rather than by the voters themselves. And so that's been the work that I've been, been uh, concentrated on and focused on in regard to what I'm doing. In addition to, of course, we've got midterm elections coming up. So we're doing that work as well to make sure that we get good candidates elected to all of our seats and that we uh, are able to, to push back an extremist agenda here in Nevada. And we do a Something happened uh, with, with, with Judith. It's a shame she's really saying very important stuff. Uh, Judith froze there, Michael. Do you have a way to unfreeze her? Unfortunately not. We'll have to uh, wait for her to unfreeze herself, but um, yeah, we, we can get oh, questions we now. Um, um, is Judith still frozen? I'm not seeing her anywhere. Oh, she's on there, but uh, I, I have her frozen, unfortunately. Oh, there, there she is. Back. Judith? Yeah, Judith? I'm here. Yeah, you froze on us briefly, and you were in the middle of a really important sentence. So how, <laughs> yeah. how, how are you why, fighting? Not, not full Wi-Fi here, so I don't know why it's acting up. Um, but what I was saying is that, you know, what we're seeing is that this flood of dark money into Democratic primaries endangers your right to choose a candidate. So as voters, you're going to lose your right to choose the candidate of your choice if this dark money floods in like it has been into the primaries across the country. And we've seen that over and over again, especially targeting progressive candidates, um, targeting uh, women candidates, women of color candidates. We've got to do something about this because if we allow that special, special dark money to keep coming Another, another, um, looks like the dark money people are freezing her or something. So, yeah, uh, and actually she's a hundred percent right. And that's what we want to talk about with her, um, uh, is the dark money in the primaries and in the, in the general elections, uh, Ruth Strauss real quick and Jeffrey real quick while we wait for Judith to come back and we'll bring in, we can bring in, um, um, Greg Coleridge to talk about what this sort of, her, her directly, because that's what J Greg specializes in. Ruth, real quick, Ruth. Yeah. Ruth, your your audio is not right. Okay. I see. Yeah. Can you hear me? Well, there's something wrong with it. Speak up. Okay, I'll get a mic. That's good. You can hear me now? Yes, please. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Okay, so I have something to tell her related no, no, no. We can't hear you now. We can't hear you now. So uh, okay, uh, I'll get a mic. Okay, um, uh, uh, Jeffrey, real quickly, uh, Judith, are you back with us? Hey, Judith, I'm... I had to wait for them to unmute me. I'm here. Okay, uh, any... Jeffrey, just wait a minute. Go ahead, go ahead, Judith. So, how do we deal with dark money? in the primaries and what are the Democrats telling you? Well, we introduced a resolution at the DNC meeting in Washington DC to basically effectively ban dark money from democratic primaries. And the democratic party can do that. Um, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled that as a private organization that can select a method for choosing its candidates. So we can do that. Um, in fact, our platform calls for an end to Citizens United and calls for an end to using dark money. Uh, the problem has been that the Democratic Party is worried about unilaterally disarming when it comes to dark money. Um, but that doesn't really apply in primaries. We're talking about primaries only. We're making the effort to ban it from primaries as a start. 
Um, and it would have been good optics for the Democratic Party. It's, it's strange that they found that controversial um, because it's, it would have been very good optics for the Democratic Party, uh, especially when we realized that nonpartisan numbers in registra voter registration keep going up every year. Uh, then, you know, we keep hearing the excuse that voters are turned off by extremism in neither party. But I would argue that they're turned off because there seems to be no action on behalf of the average person by either party. And you get discouraged at some point if you think your elections are, are bought and sold, then people tend to tune out and say, well, why am I bothering to vote? You know, if corporate or special interests are going to select the candidate anyhow. Um, so we don't want that to happen. We want people to, to remain engaged and realize that, you know, their votes are important and that we can fight back against corporations and special interests. Well, what you just said is huge. I mean, you know, as, as uh, I think it was Mark Twain said, uh, if the good Lord had wanted us to vote, she would have given us candidates. And, you know, the bottom line here is I had no idea. I'm sure most people didn't know that it's legal to ban dark money from primaries. And, you know, I don't think there's any, I wouldn't be mystified as to why the democratic apparatus does not want to ban dark money from primaries. You know, I mean, if, they, if dark money had been banned from primaries in 2016 and 2020, uh, Bernie would have been the nominee for God's sakes. Um, I'm gonna call in Greg Coleridge here. Greg is in Cleveland, uh, Judith. He is a long time uh, expert on dark money in, in politics. Greg, um, do you want to comment? On, and Judith, are you the only one uh, pushing? Are, the only, are you the only state chair pushing to get dark money no. out of primaries? No, there's, um, we actually have now formed a group within the DNC and the DNC is very aware of it. You know, it's not a secret group, but it's a group specifically formed to try to enact reform within the DNC. So, um, you know, we're trying to modernize the DNC, try to reform rules and bylaws that are antiquated or don't represent the people of this country or don't represent us well. Um, you know, the, the DNC, the structure of the DNC is set up uh, to favor lobbyists and consultants and, and special interests by appointment. And, you know, we, we've been pushing to add more seats to the DNC that are elected by people in each state. So those are ongoing things, ongoing issues, and we do have, we do have a several, numerous state chairs and DNC members that are in favor of that reform as well. Well, this is an absolutely huge deal because if you can succeed, and this is nonpartisan, if you can succeed in reforming the Democratic Party, obviously you're like a progressive caucus on the DNC, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know. I mean, that's enormous because if we can get a progressive slate of candidates for once um, 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 that's been uh, won primaries without corporate ownership, that changes the whole the whole picture of American politics. Am I, am I overstating the case? I don't think you're overstating the case. Again, like I said, our, our biggest fear is that if it keep the trend keeps going the way it is, uh, corporations and special interest groups will select your candidate. It won't be the voters. The voters will lose that right to choose their own candidates. All right, so Greg Coleridge, uh, you must be familiar with what this movement within the Democratic Party. Um, uh, tell us about the legalities. Have you, Judith, you and Greg need to know each other. Greg is a former, if you don't already, I have a habit of introducing people who've known each other for 50 years. So. Um, uh, you know, Greg is, is a, a part of Move to Amend and, um, you know, a major leader in, in the movement to get money out of politics. Greg, do you want to comment on what uh, Judith has been saying here? Well, thanks for the invite, uh, Harvey. Uh, nice to meet you, Judith. I very uh, applaud your work there on all of those fronts that you mentioned. I put in the chat information about Move to Amend. Our organization has been around since 2010 trying to get, yes, big money out of politics by passing a constitutional amendment that would overturn Citizens United, but also Buckley versus Vallejo, which is the antecedent of declaring uh, money as free speech and trying to uh, abolish all forms of corporate 
constitutional rights uh, that includes First Amendment free speech, but so many other constitutional rights that were never intended. So when it comes to uh, getting big money out of politics, dark money is a huge problem that we have witnessed. To some extent, we can't witness it because we don't know who some of the people are, of course, uh, but whether it's in the Democratic primaries, uh, whether it's been in the general election over the last couple of years, obviously it's getting worse. And as oftentimes it's been said, a Chinese saying is that uh, you're likely to end up where you're headed and we're not headed in a very uh, glorious democratic place. We've never had a grand glorious democratic place even before Citizens United to be sure. And so this issue, it would be tremendous if the DNC had and you know, with Judith's effort and others, but it's gotta happen not just from the inside as she said, but from the outside, that's what movement building is all about, trying to build an effort. But until and unless, you know, that happens, you know, all we can do is try to see if in Congress, and people may know just when was it last week, there was an effort to try to get in Congress, in the Senate, passage of what's known as the Disclose Act, that all the Republican senators, vote, you know, chose to filibuster, and that would have you know, given much greater transparency to the amount of money in elections. So without the Disclose Act being passed, without the DNC doing what they're doing, or, you know, without the DNC doing what they should do to uh, abolish or ban dark money from elections, at least between now and November, all we can do is try to shame candidates, shame maybe the media individually to say, look, you need to disclose voluntarily who is um, bankrolling, who is behind the dark money ads that are appearing on your, you know, electronic media. I mean, that's all we've got between now and November. Beyond November, well, then we've got another two-year election cycle to try to get dark money out through at least the primaries through the DNC or pass the Disclose Act. But ultimately, what it is we're trying to do is, you know, is much more long-term of trying to pass a constitutional amendment that would abolish money in elections by declaring money is not free speech, money's property, and declaring that corporations have zero constitutional rights, including First Amendment free speech. Other than that, all we can do is just try to focus on these candidates that wink and nod, you know, say that they are at arm's length from these independent groups, super PACs and the like, when oftentimes they're coordinated. We know that, they know that. All we have and all we can do really is just try to shame them to put the onus on them to declare that they individually will not accept PAC money, will push for damning, if you will, uh, corporate money uh, from um, all of these outside special interests. So Judith, I'm feeling your dance card here, but uh, you and Greg should be in touch. Uh, and the, uh, Are you working with Move to Amend at all? Do you know the group? I know the group, but no, I'm not working with, with them at all. This is the first time I've met Greg, but it's very nice to meet him. Um, very nice to meet you, Greg. And hopefully we'll have some work together in the future that crosses paths. Um, I would just push back a little bit on that. I think there's a little bit more we can do. I think that pushing on Congress is almost a lost cause. I mean, yes, we should continue to do it. But the problem is that Democrats don't see it that way. They see it as unilaterally disarming. They don't want to make the first move because they don't want to be the party that doesn't accept dark money and they put themselves at a disadvantage in the general election. That's why we went the route of pushing on the Democratic primaries because it doesn't cost them really anything um, other than you know, the ability to, to hand select their own candidate. Um, you know, if they're working together with, with PACs or super PACs or with orga affiliate organizations, to elect one candidate over another, that's what, that's what they don't want to give up. And that's what we're trying to make, you know, a fair process, a fair democratic process is the primaries, because that's, that's really the only place where voters get to choose their candidate. When we get to the general election, we know what happens. Um, you know, yes, we can still reliably vote Democrat and vote for the democratic candidate, but getting to that process, the general election, you're not gonna get Democrats to move on on refusing dark money when the Republicans still do so. So unless you could get both parties bipartisanship on that dark money or the Disclose Act, it's not gonna happen at a congressional level. Well, you know, logically the Democrats should welcome 
um, uh, strict uh, regulations on spending in primaries because theoretically that would leave more money for the general elections. That's what I argued. That was part of our argument. Part of the resolution was, you know, why are we spending this kind of money on Democratic primaries, which should be a fair electoral process, when you're going to need that money for the general election candidate? Why are you spending it now and tapping out all of your reserves now? Um, but the fact is, most of those targets have been progressives or women of color, candidates of color, which is even a worse optic for the Democratic Party, in my opinion. But I mean, you've seen what's happened recently in, in, in states like Ohio and Texas, where, you know, the progressive woman of color was was defeated because a lot of dark money was brought into the race at the last minute. Um, and that's hard to overcome when you can buy out every single uh, TV at TV spot for, you know, a, a seven day cycle that's nonstop. It's hard to, to overcome that. I mean, dark money does make a difference. That's a huge amount of money coming in at the last minute um, in support of one can Democratic candidate over another Democratic candidate. Absolutely. That, that, that Ohio uh, uh, race, by the way, is in my, congr my congressional district. Yes, Turner, who got bludgeoned financially by uh, dark money from a variety of different special interests connected to the Israeli lobby and you know billionaires on the conservative side. But it is a bipartisan problem. And I don't disagree with you. I think you're absolutely right, and you know, kudos uh, well, to the effort of trying to get the DNC. This, this is something that should be written about: is the move, the movement in the Democratic Party to get dark money out of primaries, and specifically the the, the race in Texas was uh, Jessica, Jessica Cisneros, a woman of color who was running yes. against right Henry Cuellar, who was just an abomination, you know, to the right of the Republican Party, for God's sakes. And at the last minute, Pelosi and the whole gerontocracy of the Democratic Party swooped in and, and beat her by what, two, three hundred votes? And now we got to live with this guy for another term. It's outrageous. Judith, you are. It was, it's also out, it's also outrageous when you think about the fact that Henry was um, and <laughs> was anti-abortion. He's anti-abortion, is not in favor of Roe v. Wade. And that's a big issue for Democrats. I mean, why, why are we supporting candidates who don't support a woman's right to control her own body? Um, the right to abortion should be settled law, but of course here we are fighting those same battles again. But well, uh, Jessica, I, I, uh, uh, Judith, you're in an incredibly important uh, position here and we need to do this, deal with this more. Uh, and, you know, it's one thing to get rid of dark money in our, in our country. And that is a huge deal, you know, here in LA, Every week, every other day, there's a fundraiser where some candidate has to stand up and say that he is being or she is being opposed by $8 billion of corporate money in a tiny district and, and to beg people in Hollywood, you know, for nickels and dimes. It's, it's outrageous. But it, within the primaries, this should not be going on, for God's sakes. So I hope you and Greg can exchange notes and I I want to get more on you so we can we can have some publicity about exactly what you're doing, because it's huge. And of course, you know, the Democratic Party is a gerontocracy. We got we got, you know, Biden, um, uh, Schumer, Pelosi, um, um, you know, Steny Hoyer, um, uh, the guy from South Carolina, they're all in their 70s or over. And uh, uh, there's going to be well, what biology is going to kick in. There's going to be a change in the Democratic Party. And people like you should be leading it. So uh, please do get in touch with Greg as well as John Brakey. I'm going to call with a bunch of hands, but Wendy is part of the, the team here. Wendy, real quick, and then we'll go to Dorothy Wright. Go ahead, thank Wendy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harvey, and thank you, Judith. Really appreciate you being here. Um, I just want to, and I, and I appreciate what you're doing with the DNC, because I was ready to call, like, let's defund the DNC, because we, we need more progressive candidates. So hopefully, um, you know, and I think that people are, are seeing, like, once they become in the know, they start to realize where the dark money goes, and it automatically becomes a detractor. So whoever steps up first and is like an, a, ahead of the time to refuse it is going to get more of a, a loyal following and I think we'll win in the end. But um, when I raised my hand, I just wanted to bring up real quick and I can connect you with John Prakey. I put his um, email in the chat and I can do it again. He's, he's open about connecting that. Um, he's with Audit USA and um, he works with Ray Lutz, who I can um, also connect you with if you want to give me your info or I'll, I'll put mine in the chat. Um, they do uh, what's called risk limiting audits. I heard you mentioning um, the ballot images and the hand counts taking a very long time with the risk limiting audit um 
it's a statistical batch that um, represents that like Ray's really brilliant with these things. And he, um, they've figured out how to determine the amount of um, samples from the entire population that they can um, go over. And that gives a, an, a highly accurate, um, as close to accurate as possible of what the entire population would be. And mm -hmm. it's just so, so important. And um, I know they're pushing right now to get um, ballot images, just part of the law, because um, otherwise there's really no traceability, especially um, when that has nothing to even do with the hacking, which comes before people even vote. So we're up against um, these multi-pronged threats. And so having um, traceability is just incredibly important. Um, so I urge you to um, look into risk limiting audits. Ray Lutz's group is called Citizen Oversight. He has audit engine. Um, so again, I'll put my contact and John Brakey's contact. They're very friendly, great people. And I'm sure they'd be happy to, to talk with you. And thank right. you both, thanks a lot. And Judith, uh, it's really uh, very important for us to have you on here. This is this is a big deal with uh, the dark money. And I, I gotta, I, I'm gonna go to Dorothy and I have to ask you a question. I saw a, an article that asserted that the Democratic Party spent $40 million, million supporting far right candidates that they thought they could beat. Is that anywhere near accurate? You know, like, like getting these uh, crazy people, uh, the, these January 6th people uh, nominated so that, so that the, dem the moderate Democrats can win. But the idea of the Democratic Party spending money supporting extreme right-wing candidates, is that true? Well, the, the D-Trip has already admitted that it's true. Um, so, yes, it is a factor, but it's something that, that Republicans have been doing for a while, and I think Democrats are wading into the water as far as that goes. It is a, it is a high risk. Um, it could have big payout. It, it may or may not. I think that's that's remains to be seen as to whether that's a successful strategy. Um, but, yes, they have spent money to um, prop up or make sure that, that the far-right extremist candidate wins in a Republican primary uh, with the thinking that that puts um, their centrist Democrat in a better position of beating that person in the general election. It's a, it's very high risk. But high then risk is infuriating. How, how can the Democratic Party ask people to give them money and then take that money and spend it? There, there is one candidate that comes to mind, uh, Donald Trump, and we know how well that worked out. So, you know, I just wanted to see with you as a member of a DNC uh, if, if it's actually true, because, I, you know, how can anybody, any progressive give money to the Democratic Party, knowing that some of that money is going to go to support, you know, Hitler Youth, for God's sakes. I mean, it's, it's estimated, it's estimated that uh, $9.3 billion is going to be spent in the midterms. And that is not all, let's be clear, that is not all dark money. Right. It is light money. And so light money is in its own way just as corrupting. All right, so we know who the billionaires are and who some of the corporate interests are, but the point is it's still legalized bribery and it's still going to be, and it's forever going to be that way, particularly when huge amounts of money are coming from a small number of people. So yes, we gotta get rid of the dark money, but we also have to get rid of this big money in elections, period. And there's only so much we can do legislatively short of constitutionally dealing with it. That goes far beyond reversing Citizens United, but that's a good start. Yeah, it is. Well, I'll tell you, getting money out, getting dark money out of the primaries would be a huge step forward because then we'd actually have candidates. <laughs> it would be wonderful. Judith, you're magnificent. Please stay with us. Uh, Dorothy Reich, Dorothy is a great um, activist and powerhouse of her own in, in California. Judith, you, you should, I don't know if you know each other, Dorothy Reich, uh, Judith Whitmer, go ahead, Dorothy. Well, I certainly admire you, Judith, going into that sewer of the DNC. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is APAC, which is the source of a lot of the problems that the uh, progressives are having with the Democratic Party. And you may say that they're all geriatric, but you got Hakeem Jeffries, and Hakeem Jeffries is a huge problem. He's looking to take over from uh, Nancy Pelosi. It looks like it may be a done deal. When you have people like the net better gone sucking up to him, you know, that's uh, I actually met him. I was in the same room with him. It was really horrifying. I had to shake his hand. It was, uh, 
but he's a man from APAC and he's um, raising all this money and, and they started with Cynthia McKinney and they've been they've been supporting opposition to progressive candidates ever since. And God forbid you say one word in support of the Palestinians and you're toast. They went after Donna Edwards. They went after, of course, Nina Turner famously. They did summer leave. They didn't get to take her down. I'm sure that they were involved somewhat in Jessica Cisneros, but they, and that's not even dark money, you know, that money. So, uh, you know, well, my, my, my feeling is that the big money has started to use APAC kind of like a money laundering operation. And, and you know, it's perfectly set up, at, you know, with, with its own ethnic uh, realities. But uh, there you go. Thank you, Dorothy, for that. Uh, anything else, Dorothy, before we move on? Okay, thanks. Um, Eric? Justin and uh, Teresa, or would Teresa, would you, actually Teresa may have been next. Let me go to Teresa Von Payne. Um, uh, Teresa um, and Judith, another man, you gotta come to California. Uh, <laughs> Teresa's an, another magnificent activist. Uh, this is Judith, go ahead. Well, thank you, I'm happy to be among all these magnificent activists. Um, and first I wanted to say that uh, I, I'm also, um, impressed, Judy, with your work with the DNC and what you're trying to do, which is so critical. At the same time, uh, I will admit that uh, I gave up entirely on the DNC with Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton uh, because I, I felt, and I think her, uh, um, Sluggo <laughs> said that um, I really do think that Bernie Sanders would have won if it not been for the role of the DNC. So when I get any kinds of uh, appeals from the DNC or any of their, their groups, um, I ignore them. And even when they bring up Stacey Abrams and all the people that I am actually myself uh, promoting and, and sending money to, um, whenever I get such things through the DNC or any of their parties, I will not send my money for Stacey through DNC as if someday they're gonna help her as well. I send all my money directly, not my all great pigs of money, but uh, to, directly to the candidate or to Bernie Sanders, who is doing the kind of work of, of vetting the candidates and making sure we get in the right candidates. So I'm horrified that the DNC has put all this other money into these uh, far right candidates as well. And um, I don't have any much, a lot of confidence in it, although I certainly have confidence in your ability to help them to change that, but I think it's awfully late to help them to change that. And in the meantime, the DNC is sending out so many uh, appeals for Stacey Abrams and all of the people that we are supporting and, and the money therefore. So I've been on my own email saying, don't send it through DNC, send it through Bernie or directly. So I'm, I'm afraid, uh, very afraid that we are not gonna be able to do all of that in terms of this election. And so I would like us to talk more about how to get a, a, continue trying to help the DNC see it. But if it doesn't happen now, let's try to work right. aside that from them. Yeah, let me, say, let me just say a couple of things about that. First of all, um, I think that one of the things we need to do is really educate people about the structure of the DNC itself and how that works. Um, the DNC actually does a lot of great work, and there are some really good people on the DNC as well, because the DNC is made up of not just um, consultants and White House lobbyists and stuff. It's made up of also state party chairs and vice chairs, um, and, a, and a lot of the elected members, the committee people from different states are also very progressive. So there's more progressive representation on the DNC than most people realize. Um, and it's coming from the, the state levels, from the state parties and from the committee people that are elected in the state central committees. Um, the White House is, uh, makes appointments to the DNC and those appointments number around 75. So those 75 people um, are the ones that get appointed to the committees and the committees are the ones that make the rules and pass the bylaws amendments or the resolutions that work on the budget and finance. But the DNC itself does support each state party. So when you do donate to the DNC, it does go to some good work as well. It doesn't just go to um, you know, certain organizations. What it does do is it, is it slices up the pie so that each affiliate organization gets a piece of the pie. So you've got the state parties, you've got the DTRIP and the DS, the DGA, the DLCC, they all get a slice of the pie basically. 
Now, if you want your money to go to a specific candidate, I applaud that. I think that's great. You know, just dire directly contribute to that candidate. But a lot of people are under the impression that the DNC is the one that does all this when it's actually really most of that work about who, which, which candidate is favored in a campaign um, or which candidate is getting money. That money's funneled through the DTRIP and the DS for the most part. Um, not not necessarily from the DNC directly. So just keep that in mind when you know um, you make these decisions. You're talking about that that the DNC does actually provide funding for state parties as well. Well, I, I, we have 70 people. Can I, on Can I just right. respond to that? Go ahead, Teresa, and then I want to get Wendy in to talk about our. Okay, graduate. I just wanted to say that. Um, on that last point, when you say that the DNC does use the money often very well, but my feeling is there's so little money, as, you know, as compared to the Republicans already, that the fact that, uh, and I generally speaking, uh, feel that the DNC usually supports a candidate that I would not support. And I feel that, uh, that Bernie's list of who to support is much more um, reliable for whatever little money we have that we should give it to the part, the person and the, the individual instead of it being even slightly divided by DNC values of what candidate is the best. If that's making any sense, I don't know. No, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely think you should donate directly to the candidate whenever possible. But I was trying to explain that, you know, people use the DNC as the big, big bad umbrella for everything when it's really not just the DNC that makes those decisions. <laughs> so, uh, really? I just wanted to just make, just clarify that, that, that usually the money goes from the DNC to the DTRIP to the DS, who then in turn give it to the candidates of their choice. So we have developed two, two alternatives. I wanna bring in Wendy back uh, real quick. Uh, Eric, Justin, Mary, uh, Dorothy again, we'll get to you again. But uh, we have developed, we have been developing, Wendy has been developing a list of grassroots organizations around the country. And one of the uh, things also, one of the issues with the Democratic Party is not just what they do with uh, progressive candidates, but also that so much of the money goes into TV and radio and nowhere near enough goes into grassroots. And we, as you know, this is kind of the home of the Georgia miracle where, where uh, we, we mo help mobilize and connect the Atlanta NAACP with the Center for Common Ground, which do relational grassroots organizing and won the two Senate seats in, in, in January, 2021. So um, uh, those are the alternatives. And Wendy, Wendy Liederman in Florida, can you post up real quick a screen share on the grassroots organizations that we have been compiling so that people like Teresa uh, can go there as opposed to uh, through the, uh, the, the Democratic Party. Uh, you got that there? Sure, give me one second. So um, what we are, we, uh, how, many, how many groups do you have here, Wendy? Um, I believe there's about, it was 550 the last time I checked, 555. And I actually have more to add, but um, I was dealing with some, some spreadsheet meltdowns that took a little bit more time. Um, so this so is these are groups, uh, Judith and everybody, uh, as I say, we have 71 people on the call now. Uh, these are groups that do grassroots organizing that, and that are uh, independent uh, of both parties, both major parties, and um, that are, offer an alternative um, routing for uh, financial and other support uh, to affect our, our, our uh, political process. And Wendy has done the great work of, of compiling these. You may want to take a look. What, what, what is, is there a website, Wendy? Is there a URL? I will, I'm going to drop it in the chat because it's difficult for me to do it as I'm screen sharing, but yeah, I will that's okay. do that. All right. Yeah. So you can see you're still in the A's here. Yep, um, yeah. I'll scroll past the, these are nonpartisan um, um, groups that do the basic work of social change. Yeah. And, uh, Teresa, I'm sure you, you probably, Teresa probably knows half these groups anyway, but for anybody who's interested, uh, okay, Wendy, you can put the URL in the chat. Um, uh, that would be great. And, and this is, kind of what we're about on these calls is, is developing a alternative grassroots groups and b and again this is an issue with democrats of course is that so much of the money goes into uh media for which or on which or from which 
consult the big multi-million dollar consultants uh, take a, a cut. And this is a major issue with grassroots campaigning. Does that come up at all with your uh, with your campaigning within the DNC, uh, Judith? Well, yes. I, I one of the big problems that I see and that a lot of people talk about all the time it, within the DNC too is that it's it's a revolving door basically. So if you're a staff um, for DNC or staff at the White House or staff for the DS or the DTRIP. It's like a revolving door between those organizations and these large consulting firms. So you, you, you have a closed group where they're making the decisions and controlling how the money flows. Um, and it's all within that same network and over again. And the only way that we're going to make some real headway is for progressives to have their own resources. Um, we, have to, we have to have our own resources, not just for money, but for grassroots, for um, you know, individual power. Uh, we have to have our own campaign infrastructures. We don't have enough progressive campaign managers or enough progressive consultant firms to work with either. Um, so that's the real concern going forward too, if we're going to be successful. We're gonna have to have our own infrastructure in place to elect candidates as well and not rely on the same sources over and over again that you know, we're already sort of blacklisted from to begin with. But if that's not the kind of, um, if we don't wanna be part of that whole toxic culture, that cycle, then we have to do something differently. And that means break outside of that cycle, break outside of that mold and make sure that we're doing business differently. Well, Judith, you are exactly what the doctor ordered. It's really great to have you on this call, and it's great to know that you're out there doing what you're doing. You and Wendy, um, uh, I, was, I feel like I'm a dating service here. Um, uh, also need to be in touch. Uh, Eric Lazarus, real quick, Justin, Mary, and Dorothy. Uh, Eric? Um, so can you go into more detail about exactly how it will work um, if the uh, dark money um, is banned in the primary? Um, would that stop um, a wealthy individual, for example, for buying parallel TV ads at the same time supporting, say, the, the less progressive candidate? Thanks so much, America. No, I think there's a misunderstanding about the actual definition of dark money and what it means. Uh, most of the dark money is actually from nonprofit organizations um, or from PACs. It's not, I mean, there's different regulations, requirements for reporting from super PACs. But most of this dark money is simply means that they're not disclosing their donors. So if you don't know who's donating, you, you know, you as a candidate could be taking money from, you know, the Republican Party. You could be taking money from people that are totally opposite of your agenda and your values. Um, but what we're seeing is that, you know, the DS and the DTRIP and other organizations are using it primarily using dark money and not disclosing donors. Um, in the interest of defeating progressive candidates in primaries. And that's what we're concerned about. Um, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's not impossible, but it's almost impossible. If we don't start there, it's gonna be really hard for us to get to a point where we can say, we can push our representatives to vote in favor of overturning Citizens United or to pass a Disclose Act on the congressional level if we can't at least first get something done about our, cleaning up our primaries. Unbelievable. This is really great, Judith. We're really thrilled to have but you. But it doesn't, doesn't prohibit individuals from donating. So individuals can still donate to a candidate. Um, we're just talking about basically disclosing donors. So if a nonprofit still wanted to donate to that candidate, they still could, but they'd have to disclose where that money's coming from. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, Justin, Mary, and Dorothy. Yeah, I'd like to uh, speak more to the issue of primaries, specifically from uh, the Voice of Nevadans themselves. They put a ballot initiative on for November, and uh, it was featured on the news what the uh, purpose of that ballot initiative is and, and what it'll do. Uh, so I'm wondering if it, uh, we can play that. Uh, the specific section begins at 1 minute 26 seconds. It would create an open... There you go. OK. When you to be strategic in the general election, not the political parties. Hmm. But, but technically, you only have to pick one. You can say one. What is the um, 
What is the challenge that you've found with the, the Better Votes Nevada uh, organization and the, the initiative here to get this through? Just finally got through the state su Supreme yes. Court now. So what is next? How soon might this actually be, uh, take effect? So we had to turn in 141,000 signatures because with the ballot initiative, you have to go out and talk to Nevada. Okay, so Judith, what's this all about? Well, it's a ballot initiative. And in Nevada, you can put something on the ballot with enough voter signatures. And um, they, got it, they collected enough signatures, so it's going through the vetting process. But I expect that, that everything will be fine and it will be on the ballot. Now, Nevada has a strange rule, though. So legislatively, if you win the ballot initiative, you still have to bring it back again the next election cycle because it has to pass twice to become law. So this is just the first go round and it'll be another at least two years before it can be brought back again and passed a second time and that it would actually become um, part of the electoral process in Nevada. Um, they bundled the two of them together. I'm not sure what the reasoning was for that, but um, there are a lot of people in favor of ranked choice voting, but not necessarily open primaries and this ballot initiative would implement both. Wow. Well, of course, the legislatures, the gerrymandered legislatures in Florida and elsewhere are finding ways to negate the impact of these referenda. But uh, hopefully, you know, the, the, the system in Nevada will be uh, more responsive. Thank you for that. Do you, Mary, you have any particular Thornton? view on how it will affect primaries, though, both of these open primary and ranked choice voting options? <clears throat> Judith? The thinking is that ranked choice voting will eliminate some of the um, dark money and will eliminate some of the, or at least diffuse some of the um, the dark money and the big money that comes in on, on these primary elections. I think we don't really have all the data yet to make that conclusion. Um, ranked choice voting has only been implemented in like a handful of places so far. And there are actually several different processes in ranked choice voting. The one that's presented for Nevada is the, is the top five. And there's been data that shows that there are other methods that are more effective or less effective. So I think it's sort of one of those things that sounds great, but we don't have a lot of conclusive evidence about yet. Um, the state party has actually remained neutral on that stance here in Nevada until we have more information, but we are providing that information for our voters. So like this Saturday, we held workshops on ranked choice voting and open primaries for all of our members and all uh, and for Democratic voters. So they had an idea of what they were voting on. So we presented pros and cons and had a panel with Dr. Dr. Cosgrove was on our panel. So we're monitoring it. It's something that, that I said is going to be on the ballot uh, in November, but again, it will have to come around a second time to actually become law. Okay, we're gonna go a few more minutes on this and then we're gonna switch over to energy, but Judith, you've been a fabulous guest. And we do, we do have ranked choice voting to thank for uh, the defeat of Sarah Palin in Alaska. Um, uh, we'll see if that holds up in, in, the, in November, but you know, right there is, Anyway, we won't go into that. No, that's a, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal, absolutely. Okay, Mary and then Dorothy. And we're joined by Robert Freeling and Kevin Camps who are gonna be in our energy section. We have 74 people on the call. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah, I just wanna uh, reiterate that I, I really believe in order for us to have uh, open and fair elections, that we got a number one say who's allowed on lobby and it should be only citizen organized groups like nonprofits or other things that have to do with keeping America strong and its community strong and our infrastructure strong. There shouldn't be any corporations that can lobby on Capitol Hill. We need to find a, they don't want us to have their um, campaign funds and we need to cap who is allowed to donate. And that should only be law-abiding citizens that are considered a U.S. citizen. Now, corporation, yeah, they can say they're a person, but they're not considered a U.S. citizen. So well, I want to say that we'll know that corporations are human beings when Texas executes one. Um, okay, uh, thank you for that, Mary. Uh, Dorothy, and then we're going to wrap this up. Go ahead. 
And I don't know what happened to Ruth Strauss. Uh, she disappeared. Dorothy, we can't hear you here. I'm trying to unmute you. There you go. Go ahead. So great to see Teresa Bonpain on this on this call. He's one of my heroes. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to Progressive Democrats of America. I see them being left out of the mix here. And uh, we certainly, if you have some money to donate, giving it to Progressive Democrats of America is a good idea because they support, they, they provide support to a lot of um, progressive candidates. Mike Fox runs a big phone banking operation. They do donate some money. They do try to get some field people. And uh, I hate to see them left out of the mix. The other place you can go to donate directly to candidates is to Blue America PAC. Howie Klein runs that pack. You can go there, get a list of all the progressive candidates. You can give them $100 and check off which candidates you want it to go to, or just give them $100 or $1,000 or whatever you can afford. He takes nothing off the top. Every other pack takes money to run itself. Howie takes nothing because he doesn't need the money. So what's he the gives of, money what's to the name, What's the name of Howie's pack? Blue America pack. Blue America. I'd be remiss if I also didn't mention that the GREEP organization needs a little money every once in a while, too. So if you're game to donate to us, that would be great. Um, uh, Judith, we are out of America. ProgressiveDemocratsofAmerica.org. Hit donate. They, okay. could, they, will very, they will make very good use of your money. Trust me. Yeah. I, and I, I would say that you're right. And in fact, I, I make a recurring monthly donor. It's not a big donation, but I'm a recurring monthly donor for PDA as well. They do actually do very good work. I'm very impressed with the organization. There are a lot of great nonprofit organizations. There's a ton of grassroots organizations that do good work. I think in the end, you just have to decide which one is most in alignment with what's important to you, what issues are important to you, what they're trying to achieve, what their mission statement says. Because as you saw, that list is very extensive. Um, and donating to the candidate is absolutely a great idea directly. Um, and I'd also say that that in our case, like you can donate to, to the Nevada Democratic Party and support our work as well. And that's nvdems.com. So okay. make sure you're you're you know donating and you, that your that your money's going where you think it's going and where you want it to go. Thank you. So we are nonpartisan, but uh, people are allowed to put their groups up. And uh, Mike, if you'll put up the portal for the uh, grief calls, that would be great too. Um, there's no shortage of great people who, who deserve to be financially supported. Uh, Judith, is there anything you wanna conclude? You've been a spectacular uh, addition here. And this movement to get the dark money out of the primaries really needs more publicity. That That is something, you know, uh, that's really worth mentioning. And, and Greg, I'll give you a quick shout out. And then we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to cut off this hour and make it a separate package. And then we're going to get into um, uh, energy issues. Uh, Judith. Thank you very much. It's, it's been great to be with everyone. Um, there's a lot of work ahead of us and you can just tell by, you know, how much of our conversation was, don't, was, um, was about money <laughs> goes to Greg's point that, you know, money needs to come out of, poli of the, out of the political process entirely. Unfortunately, you know, we're talking about all these organizations we're donating to and more and more money into the political process um, makes it harder and harder for us to achieve true democracy. But, you know, right now, progressives have got to find a way to fight back. So um, it's, a, it's kind of walking a fine line here. Absolutely. Greg, you want to have a last word on this and then we'll segue over to energy issues. Well, thanks so much uh, for everyone to be a part of this. You know, Judith said, I think um, among the many important things she said is having an inside strategy and having an outside strategy is what's needed to bring about change. And that outside strategy has got to be about us who's forming, trying to form a mass movement that is diverse, that is inclusive, that is trying to do democracy directly as we focus on democracy externally. And toward that end, you know, I've always felt that we need to have solutions that are proportionate in scale to the problems we're dealing with. So there are always short-term things in, in terms of putting your finger in the dike, but we need to recognize that they're putting our finger in the dike. So yes, there's short-term things that need to be done like dealing with dark money, but just keep in mind that is the short-term. Let's not forget the long-term and at least spend some time 
dealing with things that are more fundamental in nature, which is that our whole system really is fundamentally at root undemocratic. And the only way we're going to get at that in part is to, I think, not just have better people running for office and better laws, but we've got to democratize our constitution right. and make, make our system more democratic. And part of that is to pass the We the People Amendment. Yes. And I posted and that info. Getting the big money out of politics is huge. And Judith, I, you know, this is the first I've heard of it, but a movement to get uh, uh, the dark money out of the primaries is a huge situation. Because if we can have decent candidates, you know, like Jessica Cisneros, as opposed to Henry Quimau, for God's sakes, you know, uh, then we, we can actually maybe move towards a small D democratic system. So um, I filled your dance card, Judith. <laughs> that it's, it's really great to have you on and we, we hope to have you back and we will de definitely um, you know, be in touch. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everybody. So this has been the first hour of the grassroots emergency, the Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition. We have 74 people on the call and we um, are going to uh, cut the recording now. Thank you all my listeners in on the Progressive Radio Network. Uh, this first hour will be a uh, um, a tangible unit of its own uh, dealing with these uh, units. So I'm going to sign off uh, for this uh, recording. Thank you, everybody, especially Judith Whitner, Whitmer, our, our main guest, and Greg Coleridge, uh, along with Wendy Lederman, talking about these incredibly critical. Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. 